David Didow, are you there? I am. Are you well? Uh, I am, yes. Good. So, David, I'm going to ask you about your recent return to the classroom. But first, um, for people who might not know you, I'm going to do a bit of a, an introduction. Bear with me. I thought this was this was quite clever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've just hyped myself up there, haven't I? Um, tinker, teacher, trainer, learning spy, Twitterer, blogger, author. Who are you? Right. I see what you've done there. Yeah, good. I'm glad you did because I just realised if you didn't, that would just massively backfire. Yeah. So was that a genuine question? <laughs> it's kind of, it's an icebreaker, I suppose, to get us started. Uh, yeah, yeah. Who, who do you, you know, what, how would you, if you meet someone for the first time, how yeah, would you no, explain what one. you do? You know, yeah, no, you're right. So because, because it's not entirely honest to say I'm a teacher and leave it at that. Uh, so it, over the years, I've, I've said I'm an education consultant and watch them glaze over. Um, if I, you know, if I want to, if I want to, you know, if I, if I'm trying to, I genuinely, I'm not a very friendly person, Jamie. And uh, when people come up to me at parties and say, "What do you do?" You know, I find educational consultant is is, a, is quite a good insulator. Oh. Um, um, but if I'm feeling very garrulous, I might say, I might say writer, um, because people are gen generally a bit more interested in that. But but you know, I mean, yeah, I mean. I can't really sum it up in, in a word. And I think that, you know, it would be great. I'd love to just be the sort of person that could say what I do in a single word and everybody know what I meant. But I don't know. What do you say, Jamie? I don't know. It's like when you join one of these I don't know, online Zoom meetings and everyone has to introduce themselves. Yeah. And I generally don't use my title because I just hate that sort of thing. And I just say, oh, I kind of just chat for a living, you know, because we all sort of talk to each other and we get some stuff done but it's mainly just through chatting that's, and that's a bit disingenuous isn't it jamie yeah, yeah it is. but yeah i don't know what else to say i don't like doing no. serious sometimes sometimes you know and i can't know because i have actually got a job but um for years people would say you know ask me what my job was and i'd say i don't have a job um oh, yeah. <laughs> just because you want to kill the conversation really yeah, quick or, they love yeah. that yeah but now I've got a job I've actually I've actually got a job and I'm on somebody's payroll yes and that's what we're here to talk about yeah so you're all of these things um and I want to find out a bit about your return to teaching mm. after a hiatus of how long eight years eight years so eight years ago you left teaching I did and in that time you've done loads of stuff all still closely linked with the teaching profession yeah. Um, so how, if you don't mind me asking, how how did you come to leave the classroom eight years ago? Well, um, bit of push, bit of pull. I think is as fair. To, so for for about a year or so before I left the classroom, I, um, I I was getting quite a lot of inquiries from people saying, would you you know could you come and talk about this that or the other? And I and I'd have to say, no, I've got a job. I'm sorry. Yeah. And uh, and and, you know, I got to do a few things, um, but but not that many. And um, and at the same time, I'd 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 got a new job uh, at a school where uh, I'd been I'd been appointed, you know, I'd been headhunted and I'd been appointed to to do, you know, what sounded like on paper, my dream job yeah. uh, at a school which had, you know, had four heads in four years. I was in a bit of a mess. Anyway, they, they appointed a to me and uh and it and it, you know i think the, the fairest thing to say is i don't think he really understood how i might fit into his plans yeah and um and so you know i was quite miserable there and i was asked to do things that i didn't really want to do i was i had to sort of my job basically seemed to be all the teachers that were no longer um required my job was to get them through capability as quickly as possible so that we could get rid of them. And I just didn't want to do right. that. No. And, uh, and I was really, really miserable. And I remember having a long conversation with my wife where uh, she said, look, you're really miserable and, and it's not doing anyone any good. Why, why don't you just leave? And yeah. that some of these jobs that people have been getting in touch with you to do, maybe, you know, 
if we can get X number a month, you know, that will be yeah. enough. Um, and, uh, you know, go for it. Yeah. And that's what that's I did. Awesome. I took a leap of faith, Jamie. I, I, yeah. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was genuinely, I was so unhappy with what I was doing that I figured it couldn't be any worse. Yeah. And so, yeah. What, how, how long was that? Had you written your first book by then, which was, so it was around the same time, was it? I'd written my second book at that time. Okay. And the blog had already been going for a while at that point? The blog had been going for a couple of years. Yeah. And was very popular and is still very popular. Wow. Yeah. And of course, you'll be a millionaire now you've written six books. Seven. Seven books. <laughs> Sorry. I haven't done my research, have I? Yeah. Um, it's yeah, confusing. So, I mean, one of them I'm a bit ashamed of and I don't mention very much. Oh, right. Okay. Um, that was the that was the perfect one? English Ofsted lesson. Yes, so that was I thought that was 2012. Is that right? No, I think that was. Two, I mean, I don't know. I think that was 2011 okay. or something like that. And then so, it's, it's all get it all gets confusing, Jamie. Yeah, and you were you were getting requests, and you weren't very happy where you were, and so you just took the leap and you uh, set out. And it paid a, off. Um, yeah. It was okay. It was. It was. Um, so it, I basically I didn't need to. I didn't need to worry for for you know some years, and I was having a really good time. And then with the whole pandemic thing, um, I, I was you know that from March to you know onwards, yeah. Um, people were getting in touch saying we're going to have to cancel, and uh, and so. You know, my livelihood really sort of shriveled up before me, and I, I managed to transfer quite a bit of it online. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, I was uh, I was looking at the diary um, over the the from September onwards, and there wasn't really anywhere near as much work as I was I would have liked. Um, and and at the same time, um, I. I'd been thinking for a, a while that, you know, maybe I should sort of put my money where my mouth is and sort of, you know, yeah. try and do, do, you know, do some teaching. And uh, it just seemed like a really good opportunity. Well, that's a really interesting question. So this the eight years that you spent out of the classroom, you've done a, presumably an awful lot of reading about and thinking yeah. about teaching and learning. You've delivered training to, I don't know, it must be hundreds, maybe thousands of teachers. So how has this experience, do you think, prepared you for a return to the classroom? You kind of you talked about putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah. You've obviously thought deeply about it. You've learned a hell of a lot of stuff and you've talked to people about it and then you've gone and done it. So what have you learned over those eight years, if I can ask you such a simple question? Wow. Um what have I learned over those eight years? Well, that could be that could be quite a long list. Yeah. So, but I, you know, basically, I I've learned an awful lot about what I think teaching should look like and yeah. what learning should look like. It or you know, maybe not look but be like. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know if you want me to sort of try and summarise that. Uh, well, maybe I could rephrase it. Um, because that is that that could be huge, couldn't it? Um, and I'm just thinking how I rephrase that. Yeah, I know. Um, so when you were preparing to go back into the classroom, you know, yeah. having learned an awful lot, um, what were the kind of the top things on your mind? Like, right, I'm going back in. I feel like I've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to really focus in on these things in terms of my practice when I get back to the classroom. Um. God, I don't think I approached it like that, um, to be honest. I just sort of, I'm not, yeah, no, I just sort of dived in. Well, I suppose everything that you've done over the last eight years, it kind of prepared you to yeah, some Yeah, it's all, it's all rattling around in there. And yeah. um, so, but I think what was, I, I guess what um, what I felt uh, most aware of was the behaviour stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I and and I should say, by the way, that I'm working in three different schools, so I'm not really being like a proper teacher, sort of teaching a proper timetable. I, I work in two schools, one day a week, and the other one two days a week. And that one that I'm working in two days a week, I'm there more as a, of a I'm there more as a consultant than as a teacher. Although I'm 
getting into lessons and doing doing some teaching. So I'm working as a teacher for two days a week. Yeah. And I yeah. think one of the things so so and I and I obviously you know the various different people that had offered me a job and and I went to meet them all before I accepted, you know, because um it felt like important you know, important to do that and I really wanted yeah. to get a sense of what I was getting myself into. So uh, I I was very lucky to be able to do that. And and they were all schools that had uh, broadly were doing what I was what I was in favour of in terms of their approach to behaviour management and teaching yeah. and uh, and curriculum and those sort of you know, sort of those sorts of big things. So I knew that I wasn't going to be, you know, in opposition to the to the to the various regimes, and I knew that I would be well supported, and and, and that was that made things a lot easier. Yeah. Um, and I, the and and I think there's. You know, you come with a little bit of a reputation when you take the route that I've taken. And so yeah. so that nobody, nobody that I've actually met in school has sort of actually said, so, you know, I'm waiting to be impressed. What you <laughs> But they might have thought. But it. they're all thinking it. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. And, and I suppose one of the one of the things that I find really interesting is that. It's not the so in the three different schools that I'm in. It's different in all of them. Yeah. Um, and in some, yeah, in some, I'm I can do different things differently. Okay. So I'm going to jump in and ask a question here. Yeah. Um, so I, I put out a little message on Twitter. A message. I sound like a, a granddad, don't I? I put out a tweet earlier and asked what I should ask you. And Zoe answer and um, put forward a question yeah. um, that linked into what we're talking about here. Is teaching like riding a bike? So I assume that Zoe's question here is inspired by the recent comments of Michael Wilshaw, who also went back into the classroom to do two weeks of cover recently. Um, is it like riding a bike? Yeah, it is. It is like riding a bike. And I think that it's like riding a bike in that if you haven't ridden a bike for eight years, you can yes. do it, but you're yeah. not very slick. Yeah. But you don't forget how. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it is like riding. I mean, obviously, there are many, many ways in which it is not like riding a bike. Yeah. Um, You know, there's less likelihood that you're going to bump into someone. Yeah, exactly. You were able to get started. You might have been a bit wobbly and yeah. sort of veering along the path a little bit. But yeah, yeah. you knew and um, so another question that um, came through, Kate Ridgway um, put forward, and you kind of said there that you met the schools and yeah. they were kind of broadly aligned with the kinds of approaches that you were in favour of. And you mentioned behaviour being sort of at the top of your mind. And mm. um, what are the things that let's go a bit into that long list that you kind of right. alluded to? What sort of pedagogical developments and strategies, Katie asks, do you think are most important? I mean, I remember uh, once talking to you about cognitive load theory, for example. Like, is that something that you've really kind of attended to in your practice? So I think I think with something like cognitive load theory, I feel like it's something that I have very much internalised in terms of, you know, I'm really aware that if you give kids a lot of a lot to think about and you get them doing really complex things they might be able to do them but they're less likely to remember how to do them later and so I don't sort of go into lessons and do cognitive load theory like it's a thing yeah it's just sort of it, it's just like a module that sort of slots in and it's an it's another layer of awareness yeah if that makes sense yeah whereas yeah. whereas something like um Something like the Natalie Wexler and Judith Hopman's book, The Writing Revolution. I have that because uh, I'm an English teacher. I have that quite in the front of my brain as a as a like here's some stuff I've, I've absorbed from there, and I'm and I'm consciously going to do some of that stuff in terms of like yeah. sentence level analysis and uh, and that kind of stuff. So so different different bits of knowledge sort of operate differently. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, it is a hard, I mean, I'm realising now the more I ask it, I thought you were just going to kind of, you know, pop up with a list of things, oh yeah, this, that and the other. I mean, it's it's a bit too difficult to unpick from it all, isn't it? Like, you know, yeah, to, and I'll be honest, to unwind I think, it all. I think a lot of the things that um, that I do, um, like like most people, you know, you, you you don't you just do them you just you just act and um and then you sort of you can you can you can step back and sort of analyze what you were doing uh, and other times i you know i deliberate and i think this is how i'm going to approach this task and 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 i think when you know in that in that in that process of just acting i i'm i'm sure that all of the things that i've learned over the you know the the last 10 years or so uh, are all in there somewhere operating away but I'm not necessarily aware of them at the time yeah okay um so another question that came in and again mm. I'm not sure you'll be able to to answer this um really explicitly so Jamie um McNamara who we, uh, we both know um I'm, I'm going to ask the the serious of the two questions that he put oh, I've got are you sure yeah yeah no, <laughs> do on, ask, ask, like. ask, ask them both Okay. Um, well, the first one: Have how how does David use the research relating to desirable difficulties um, to inform the teaching and learning process in his own classroom? If you can try try not to give me an answer like um, it's in there somewhere. Are you, are you able to kind of pinpoint where okay. that? Okay. That's. I mean, it is a very hard question to answer. Uh, maybe maybe harder than maybe I should have thought about it more before I started speaking to you but just to summarize there the the research rating to desirable difficulties is that um it's it's uh it's much much more important what students can do later than what they can do in the here and now so getting them to to for instance retrieve information and um and uh, is is it might not feel sort of slick and it might not feel like something they can do fluently now but doing it doing it now making them do it now is for the long term and so you know that's that's standard fare it it turns out that in each of the three schools that i'm working in there's a there's an expectation that lessons start with uh low stakes quizzing and what mm -hmm. i found really interesting because a lot of that centred um in some of the schools and 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 a lot of that it, you know it's what i see around me it's people can complying with the form but not necessarily sort of having a, an understanding of what it yeah. means to to do this as a desirable difficulty and 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 you know to have that sort of long-term purpose in mind so uh, I, I do very carefully think about the questions that I want to ask students yeah. and and make sure that I don't just ask, you know, if I ask them the question this week, I'll probably ask them the same or some of the same questions next week as well. Yeah. Or even so, later. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, it, and it's difficult to do this uh, in the way that I would if I was teaching full time in the same school and had the, the same classes. But of course um so so that complicates matters but um you know i'll very often you know at the beginning i'll say so i you know and just make it clear to them so i asked you this question last week or i asked yeah. you this question two weeks ago and uh, and i'm gonna and i'm asking you again now because and i you know and i do a little bit of explaining why i'm doing that um so that's one way in which desirable difficulties has yeah. um informed what i do um I don't know. Does that does that do you think yeah. that's, that is that no, good? That, that that's that's good enough for me, um, David. Um, what I've, I was I've sweating a bit there. <laughs> I've, I forgot to ask. Are, yeah. are you enjoying it back in the classroom? How long has it been now? Uh, so it's been five weeks. Five weeks. Okay. And yeah. it's just like riding a bike. You're back in there. Are you feeling steady now? Well, you know, it, what I find, I, I started mentioning this earlier, it's, I, I feel differently skilled in different schools. So in one school, I feel like, I feel like, you know, I can boss it, you know, do you know what I mean? I, I feel like right. uh, I go from lesson to lesson 
and I'm and I'm and I'm li- I'm being my best self and I'm yeah. and I'm teaching in a way that I would absolutely want to teach and then um, I'm not as for interestingly I don't feel as confident or or as um, able in in another school where okay. I feel like I'm on a bit of a back foot and, and you know this why? is one of the things that I find fascinating about being in schools you know because as I say I went in I met um, the people involved in the schools you know had a, had chats with the head teachers and felt confident that you know that they were people that I was on board with and um and there's no substitute to actually teach teaching in a school to find out how you're going to be and and that when we make sort of global judgments about how effective a teacher is it's it's there's no doubt to me and that's certainly something that's been reinforced by my own recent experiences that you know, you can be the context mate, is huge. Yeah. And and the the expectations people have of you and the relationships you have with colleagues yeah. contribute a tremendous amount to, yeah. to how good you are as a teacher. And so you're not able to put your finger on it. You think it's just a, a combination of a multitude well, of things. So, um, in, you know, in the in the school where I think I am most effective, I think. Yeah. I'm I think that I'm appreciated most um, and I'm, this is not to say that I'm unappreciated elsewhere and you have to be really careful and you know and I'm and I'm not going to name names or anything like that because that yeah. would be stupid but um, but but in the school where where I feel like I'm doing you know that pe- I think people are very much uh, we're, lo- we're really looking forward to seeing what you're going to know what, what you're going to do today and we're really excited about what you did last week and and there and we have these kinds of conversations and in other places there's a sort of you forgot this last week right you didn't do you didn't do it quite the way you know our expectations are last lesson and it and it's amazing how these tiny things uh interact with you know who and and how how effective you and you've got you've got you know that that's you as an individual every teacher obviously every human being different as well and all of those things kind of contribute you know when you'd hear I don't know footballers uh, or football managers and say oh yeah he's a, he's a confidence player he's the guy that needs the arm around the shoulder kind of thing or he's the person that needs a good talking to to get them going I think I'm very much of the the kind of the person that needs that arm around the shoulder and just needs to know every now and again you're doing things right or just wants a bit of feedback it's really interesting it must be I mean it's very difficult to manage isn't it when you're um a manager of multiple people to get that right so in terms of your expectations um, yeah do you have different expectations now of the students as if you can remember back to when you were last in the classroom are your expectations of the students different no um i don't think so not not really um obviously you know i do a lot less i do a lot less group work and things like that you know oh yeah why is that I'm not, I'm not a big I'm not a big well one it's like doesn't really play well with the whole covid setup anyway mm-hmm. um and secondly I think it's a load of rubbish right by and large I think group work's great you know if there's a great reason to work in a group so if you're you know putting on a drama production or you know you're playing as part of a sports team then group work is obviously the right thing to do but if you're in an English lesson, sort of doing, you know, reading a play or doing a bit of writing, there's there's no logical reason to do that as part of a group. Um, yeah. and, it, and it just seems to make everything harder. So I don't in the past when I was back, you know, in the classroom, I would I would try and conform to the expectations of the day to try and do things like that uh, and then just feel guilty that they weren't as good as they could be. Uh, so I don't I don't worry about any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. And your expectations of the students are the same. Just before we move on from that. Um, yeah, I had, I had a I had an interesting interaction with um, with a because in this in the schools that I that I'm in, you know, generally the I've, I'm there taking a lesson and, and it's and it's uh, another teacher's class the rest of the time. And generally speaking, they're in in there with me. And and I've always like had this mental projection of myself my teacher persona um 
that that I've I've naturally snapped back into, which is as is to be sort of um, I've always thought of, thought of it as tactically grumpy, and okay. um, and and sort of you know when and 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 sort of showing that I'm expecting quite a lot, and so if they're not you know if they've done something like a bit mediocre and they're expecting praise, I'm, you know I'm sort of liable to arch an eyebrow and go well that's not really you know that's yeah. not really good enough. Uh, I think you can do better than that. Yeah. And I'm going to help you to do better than that. And yeah, these are the yeah. things I'm going to do to ensure that you can do better than that. But I do need you to do better than that. Um, and uh, and so, you know, this is the kind of the the persona that, I've, that I embody. And one of the teachers I was working with last week gave me this sort of piece of feedback after the lesson where he said one of the things that he'd really learn, felt he was learning from me in terms of interactions with students was about kindness and I was like, what, are you sure? You know, that doesn't sound like me. And yeah, said, you no, inter- it's really interesting how people view you, you know, um, yeah, and, yeah. and how they interpret what you're doing. And he said, no, I think that the way you interact with students is really kind. And, you know, that they you 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 put in these things to ensure that they can be successful. And I've never really I've never really ever thought that there was anything particularly kind about that it just seemed like if you're not putting in the structures for them to be successful that's a bit mad because yeah. they're less likely yeah. to be successful um and and you know I mean I'm not I've never, never been deliberately unkind but it was just fascinating to yeah to see myself viewed through that particular lens well and, that is a fascinating thing isn't it? I mean there's I can't remember there's a, a, a book I read where I think the author said um there's a different version of yourself that exists in the minds of everybody that yeah you know. right. and you know you, you 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 have this idea of who you are and how you might be perceived but it's it there's going to be a different version of that um with everybody you've ever interacted with it's crazy that is really nice though i think to hear that bit of feedback yeah well it's lovely you know it's the way you conduct yourself um, even though you'll think you think you're achieving something else by being kind of um, um, helpfully grumpy. Um, so what do you I feel... should say, Jamie, before you get into your next question, there was an incident, an incident um, a week, I think last week, where I where I like I broke one of the students. Um, I sort of pushed him too far and he okay. he he he, you know, like uh, he was he was he was. And it was a combination of me not knowing him as well as I would if I was his classroom teacher, but yeah. I just pushed him a little bit too far in terms of what he was prepared to do, and yeah. uh, and and he and he, as I say, he sort of broke a bit. And and pun. That's a nice honest reflection, you know. To be yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely. I mean, obviously, I felt quite guilty about it. I didn't want to, you know, uh, I didn't want to break. I don't want to go around breaking kids. Yeah. Um, and um, and and, there was, and I was talking to the the, the class, you know, the, the classroom teacher afterwards, going, oh, you know, you know, I felt I feel really felt really bad that you know he ended up crying as a result of not being able to do the thing I was trying to get him to do. And uh, and it, again, it was sort of interesting to the the teacher's reflection, going, um, and he said, on reflection, I just don't think I push them hard enough. I just don't think I expect enough of them. And the you know, I think that 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 part of that interaction was them not being used to ask to be to be asked to do stuff that they that is, you know you were asking to do normal for them and, and yeah. they, it's been very easy for them to be a bit sort of a bit of a free rider and yeah uh, so you know was it you that that broke them or was it was it um you know what they were being what you were asking them to do and sort of it was absolutely jamie it was absolutely what i was asking them to do i certainly wasn't being mean or anything like that or or certainly not deliberately i don't know he might have been the student might have interpreted it as as meanness but yeah that's a tricky thing you know and i you know you live and learn and uh i won't do i won't make that mistake again yeah well so my next question is what a what do you feel are the are the big challenges? Are, are there and those challenges in teaching are they the same as before, or do you feel that they're a little bit different in some way? Do you look uh, at them differently? Well, I think the expectations within the system, or certainly the system as I'm experiencing it, are different. So, um, a lot's you know a lot's happened over the the last eight years, and most of it 
a lot of it positive. And um, and so, you know, the, as I say, you know, in all the schools that I'm working in, there's now an expectation that that's, that low stakes quizzing takes place in some form at the beginning yeah. of the lesson. So, you know, that's that's different. Um, uh, what was your question again, Jamie? I'm, I'm in danger of asking answering a different one. Yeah. <laughs> um, what did I ask? The challenges. What what are the sort of the big challenges of the job? Are they the same as before? Well, I, I guess okay. So the the really big challenge is how to do all of this and uh, stay safe in a global pandemic. Uh, that's something that I was definitely not prepared for. Yeah. Um, so in two of the three schools that I'm um, in, the teachers are peripatetic and sort of spend their days running around the school to the, their next lesson while the students main re- stay still. Yeah. And uh, and so you, you're always a bit on a back foot. You're having to cart your stuff around. You're having to log on to new computers. And that's exhausting. Uh, yeah. let me tell you, you are on your toes uh, <laughs> doing that. Um, so so that's you know that's a big arm one of the schools that I've uh, that I'm in has has really thought through how to make that slick uh, for yeah. teachers so what they do is uh, they the, the expectation is that they've, they've produced these quiz booklets which you put the relevant page under the uh, under a visualizer in a, each of the classrooms and the students have um, mini whiteboards, which they have, but like okay. theirs, they're expected to have their own mini whiteboard and pen. And they get their their whiteboard out and they do the quiz while you set up. And and that's a lifesaver. Uh, uh, yeah. Brilliant. Really, Stuff like really, really good in terms of, you know, you've just got that time to sort of breathe, get yourself logged into yeah. Sims, take the register, you know, all of that. And then yeah. by the time they finished the quiz and checked, you know, you then showed them the app and they check it and then you um and then you, you start the lesson. Off you go. Um you um you mentioned you touched on this I think in answer to a, a, another question, but um a lady called Julie Hughes um posted a, a question on on Twitter and she said, Do you feel a difference in terms of the expectations of you as a teacher? Oh, yeah, I wonder if this is school, a, like, is there a different expectation of teachers or is yeah. there a different expectation of me? No, yeah, so on that. teachers in your experience. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, well, so there's I think teachers are expected to do different things. So there's 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 much less expectation on teachers to you know teach out you know outstanding lessons in the in the way that used to be the case before sort of Ofsted stopped doing all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so what about workload? Do you? I know this is you know you, you're in some oh, good okay. schools and that's great. Um, we're not going to so, mention who they are, and um, but do you do? To be I, honest, the, I can remember. That, do you do more or less work outside of home? Yeah, no, less less work um, for for absolutely certain. So there's much more um, centralised planning. So it's, there's much more a case where there, you know, this is the curriculum, this is the scheme of work, this is the lesson uh, resources that have been provided. So my my job as a classroom teacher is to look at those resources and to decide how best to how best to do that. So very, you know, mainly what I'm doing is a lot of the resources that are there are, I, you know, in my view, for me, over explained and and I'm, so. There'll be maybe there's there'll be a slideshow with like 16 slides in and I get rid of 14 of them. Oh, you know, wow. That sort of thing, because yeah. I just think, like, OK, so I've read through and I kind of get what that's about. But there's no real need for the, the students to see any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, so I do a lot of that. And then um, I do a lot of, you know, in the past, I might have done much more sort of preparation in terms of modelling, where I'll do a lot of that now under a visualiser. Yeah. Which you know, which one I think is a lot more effective in terms of what the students are seeing, and and it's a massive time saver because yeah. um, I'm I'm doing it live and um and that's good. I think uh, there's there's a, there are different expectations of marking at the moment because it you know the. There are various policies about sort of taking in kids' books and all the rest of it. So there's a there's a quite deliberate lower expectation in yeah. terms of how much marking student uh, teachers are doing which i'm benefiting from but also 
um you know that so in one of the school the school where i'm they're doing a bit of consultancy one of the things that i've um suggested to them and they've definitely they're, they're very much up for is is replacing uh the so they've got a mock exam coming up after half term and we're going to have a go at comparative judgment instead of doing it the long-winded way and and i'm going to try and sell them the benefits on that um you know so i have to say you know my experience in the schools that the the workload is lower in terms of out of school but the intensity of being in school is higher yeah okay really interesting um I, i was just reflecting on there i've recently done my um FA level one football coaches um, course training because um, I help out with my son's team. And that's been my first experience of sort of being back in a, a kind of classroom like environment. And um, I just found it really interesting. You were, just what you were saying there about, you know, not using to use 14 of the 16 PowerPoints or something like that. The instructor that we had, you know, it's really hard to recognize good teaching, put that to one side. He was he just knew his stuff and, you know, he would model and he would question. And it was I was there for two nights a week, three and a half hours each time over five weeks. And we had our masks on because, you know, this was uh, back in September. And, you know, you still have to wear masks if you go there now. And I I, I just remember thinking I never yawned once behind that mask because I was just so into um the person's approach and you just knew his stuff I suppose and it's mm-hmm. it's really hard to pinpoint what was so good but I, I definitely you know in me and my job kind of there was definitely traits and things that we talk about in teaching that I could see him doing and I just really loved actually that opportunity to sort of mm. almost to be taught and and to see how someone who I thought was good go about it yeah, I, I had a, a, a similar experience um, when I started with my uh, eldest daughter. We started a couple of years ago um, taking karate classes. And and I, I really reflected on the fact that as and as adults, we very rarely uh, elect to do something that we're really terrible at, you know, that yes. most of our time is spent doing things we're at least competent at. And I guess really that, you know, that, the two times in my adult life where I've deliberately chosen to do things which I was bad at um, was when I learned to drive and when I first trained to be a teacher. And, yeah. uh, and they were both really, really difficult um, experiences. And and um, so doing karate is I mean, some people's ex- experience of karate might be that they take to it like ducks to water. Uh, I took to it more like um, an old fridge to water. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I'm I'm not naturally gifted at it at all. And the um, my my sensei sensei Tim or Tim Tim sensei I think you have to call him is just one of the most naturally gifted teachers I've ever had the privilege of of yeah. watching teach. He's extraordinary man. And 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 the 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 levels of you know karate is a very sort of traditional formal. Um, martial arts and there's lots of bowing and there's lots of respect um but um but within that there's there's also real space for you know for humanity and and all the rest and and he's yeah i i felt really inspired by him as a teacher and uh and definitely you know i think i do think a little bit in my own classroom interactions um be more tim sensei yeah i mean this guy that um was teaching us um it, it was a joy to watch because we would have to develop they call them practice sessions okay you've got mm. 10 minutes with a group of however many um under nines and you've got to develop um a session to work on a specific thing and you have to improve players you know you have to improve individuals and um we would spend as a pair time designing these 10 minute practice sessions then we had to deliver them in front of everybody else and you could see this guy the teacher watching from the sidelines and it's almost as if he didn't have to watch actually but he would come in at the end and go right that's great how did you find it tell us what you were working on blah blah and he would just have to tweak maybe slightly two things to just massively improve what you've done and it was 
it was just really I'd found it fascinating just really loved sort of watching someone who was so well practiced at what they were doing anyway I'm waffling on I'm going to ask you some questions um I've just got a couple more I think again that came through Twitter right and this one is who or what does David believe belongs to the pantheon of English teaching when it comes to cultural awareness for those in the UK asks Jordan um... You know, I mean, that's a that's a big question and it would take a long time to fully answer. Um, I've that's the that's the topic of the seventh book that I've written, which isn't published until January. <laughs> OK, uh, which is called Making Meaning in English. And and it's and it's very much, you know, when I sort of think of it as a, as a benchmark, the, the the perfect English offset lesson uh, and and this new one, which is, will be coming out, it's it's. Uh, everything that's changed in both in terms of my understanding and knowledge and and the world around us as well um, in terms of English teaching and you know for me I'm very much of the opinion that uh, an important part of English teaching is to teach the canon um, uh, but also within that teaching of the canon to to be to 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 be critical of it Um, I, I, I very much believe that that you know not teaching the canon just makes kids ignorant of stuff that um other people might know whereas teaching them to be to to critique it and uh, mm. to have informed opinions um is is much more useful because they find out you know they they know the 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 thing itself that they're that they're giving an opinion on and they you know they have an opportunity to say you know why what's wrong with it where there might be attitudes in it that we might today consider to be misogynistic or racist or whatever it, it might be but that they have some first-hand experience of it and i'm really inspired in that by people like like uh, the the nigerian novelist uh chinua achebe who um people might know from his one of the most famous novel things fall apart um but he was a he was a a real student of um the canon and and even though you know he wanted to write about Nigerian culture he he deliberately chose to write in English and and he read everything there was to read and so particularly you know he read he studied um Joseph Conrad and he wrote uh, a really a really searing indictment of Conrad uh, where he comes to the very carefully considered conclusion that Conrad was a thoroughgoing racist uh, but in order to do that he he read and scrutinized yeah. the his the body of his work yeah. and and I, I'm not suggesting that that you know that we that we that we have to study either either Conrad or Achebe you know particularly but I do think we have to study things which are canonical in some way uh, in order to to you know and and supplement them with with things which are you know not less traditional. But yeah. for them to form the core of our curricular offer. So, you know, teaching lit- English literature in Britain, in England, uh, that it's very it's very important to me that Shakespeare's at the heart of that. Yeah. Um, that that, you know, I I mean, one, I love Shakespeare. I get genuinely really excited. And so the um the, some of the year 11s in uh, one of the schools that I'm working in, you know, they've been doing uh, Macbeth, and and I've just loved the to 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 hint at. You can't you can't do more than hint at, but hint at the sort of the the breadth of of um, knowledge that I've got on that play, and to sort of you know to to tease out some of the 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 ideas of you know some of the literary criticism on that that. Yeah. That isn't sort of obvious, and they won't necessarily encounter or have encountered it from any other source. Yeah. And I love all that. Yeah, I love, I, love getting, I love getting them to. You know, I love, I love teaching poetry. I love, I love. You know, I love all of this stuff. And then, you know, when so in one of the schools that I'm at, there's there's particularly their key stage free curriculum is far less canonical. And uh, you know, so. You know, I feel I feel much more ambivalent about teaching 
novels are aimed at a young adult readership. And it's not that I think there's anything wrong with young adult novels at all. I think there are some brilliant ones. I just don't really think they're they're suitable for prolonged study in school. They're not neat enough. Uh, they don't they don't they haven't stood the test of time and they, they don't have as much to offer. Is it, is it about the works themselves or the or something missing in the approach that you can take and what you get out of the process? Well, which in my criticism of young adult novels. Yeah. So I think that I think that there are sort of hangover from the still fairly widespread belief that English is a skills based subject. And that if you believe that English is skills based then, and that you're teaching, you know, generic skills such as, I don't know, analysis or evaluation or, or inference or something like that, then then as long as you get the skill, it doesn't really matter what the vehicle for the skill is. Mm. Uh, and so I think often the teaching of these books becomes um, about sort of extended discussions about empathy, like, you know, how do, how would you feel were you in this situation and, you know, on that sort of thing and, you know, write a letter to the character uh, you know, explaining your thoughts or do a diary entry from, you know, and I don't think there's anything, uh, well, I, I was going to say I don't think there's anything wrong with that approach, but obviously <laughs> I, do. Um, I do think, there's some, I do think there's things wrong with that approach. I think they're, I think they're, um, I think that I think it's quite slight. I think it's I think it's 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 betrays um, a low expectation of, of how the level at which students can engage with writing. And I think you can put anything in in front of kids. And I, I love the uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes, quotes from Jerome Brunner is that you can put you can get children to um, to do anything and engage with it in an intellectually honest way. At yeah. any age, uh, and I think you know, but you have to mediate it. You have to think carefully of it. So, um, you know, I think that children are well able to to cope with Shakespeare or Chaucer or or you know any other um, you know, Wordsworth. Um, yeah. Probably not James Joyce, um, but you know, yeah. but 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 huge complexity. Uh, and huge um, alienness in terms of like where they are in the 21st century and the the time and place that the person yeah. who's writing is writing from. Yeah. Uh, they can really cope with vast differences there as long as you present it to them in ways that that make sense and help them make meaning from it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very long answer, Jamie, and boring <laughs> no, for those listeners no, no, who are not English specialists. <laughs> well, so uh, on on English, actually, um, there's one more question came in from someone. Um, my year 13s have got their AS exam to revise for over half term. What three pieces of practical revision advice would you give them? I suppose that's not English necessarily. Is it? What what pieces of well, you know, it's interesting. So um, I've, one of the classes I've been working with um, is a year 13 GCSE retake class. And mm -hmm. um, what my advice to the students in that class, because um, they've got this, they've got you know all this homework stuff to get on with. And I, I was just saying to them, if you want this, if you want this to be different from the last time you retook this, you need to be doing you know, for instance, an hour's reading, uh, sorry, an hour's writing every day. Yeah. Um, you need to, you need to absolutely get inside this stuff. And so, you know, the best bit of advice I would give to anybody who is um, revising is to commit an awful lot of time to it, to, to, to go through the process of doing the things that you're going to be tested on again and again and again and again. And I learned this um, before I was a teacher. I, I, before I was a teacher, I had to retake my maths GCSE because I. Hey, me too. Did you? Did you? Yeah, I, I got a, uh, a D grade um, at school because uh, I just wasn't interested, didn't care. Yeah. And um, and so I had to retake it. I had to get a C in order to be allowed onto my PGCE. 
and uh, and and it felt like doing this. I did a one year sort of maths course at, at uh, evening school, and it felt like the one of the hardest things I'd ever had to do. And, yeah. and there were times when I would almost cry with frustration at how difficult I found it to get that knowledge to stick in my head. And uh, um, I, some I, I was given by uh, a friend who worked at school uh, an absolute ton of past papers, and I worked through. Yeah. paper every day for the I think the month before the exam yeah I just did it every single day and uh and by the time I actually sat the exam and I opened my uh I opened the you know the first page and um I just thought I can I know all of this I can do yeah, all this. you've got it and I, I thought there was something wrong so I got to the end and I was like I didn't actually I haven't missed anything out I didn't struggle with anything um there's got to be something's yeah gone wrong somewhere and then there must be more to it than this yeah yeah and it was back in the days when um you there was an intermediate tier i don't remember if you remember the intermediate tier maths gcse um, and the highest mark you could get on it was a b and i got a b oh wow congratulations and I, and I still, well thank you very much yeah thanks so i much. i didn't pass first time i got a d and uh, my parents got me a tutor and we weren't you know we didn't have much money, so it's quite a big deal to mm. to get a tutor. And I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't get on with her at all. I, maths, I really, really struggled with. So I did a, a retake. I'd had this tutor, and I, I got another D. And then my parents were just sort of, they didn't know what to do, and they just said, you know, you, you've got to get this. Um, you, you just have a go. Do, do it your way. And so my mate Phil, who'd, um, who decided to, to study A level maths. He tutored me. I, I'm pretty sure I paid him in cigarettes for his help. And um, I think we just did a ton of past papers and he just helped me on the bits I got stuck on. And yeah. I just practiced loads, but with him and, you know, I liked him, obviously. And it just, I don't know. And anyway, that, that got me through it as well. And, and then I passed. Um, uh, but I think how, it was just that practice. And how much did you think you had to pay in fags? Not that many. I think he only took 10. And those days, that you know, they only cost about £1.20 a pack, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Let's um, wrap this up now that you've given that advice. I've, well, I'm just looking at my sure. notes here and, I, and I've started a sentence that says to finish. And I've not finished the sentence. So how should we finish this podcast? Well, the best way I found is just to stop talking. Just to stop talking. I had thought that we might just could we call this David and Goliath? Is that a really ridiculous name? Are you Goliath in this? No, no, the emphasis being on the modern day meaning rather than the biblical one. So you would, of course, assume the role of, of David yes. and Goliath being education and making kids cleverer. OK. You this could, you could do that. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't like it. Well, you know, I mean, it's not that I don't like it, um, but uh, it's not as good as the not just not talking thing. Oh, right. OK. Oh, in terms of how we finish. OK. 